Ketterdam, a bustling hub of international trade where anything can be had for the right price. And no one knows that better than criminal prodigy Kaz Brecker. Kaz is offered a chance at a deadly heist that could make him rich beyond his wildest dreams, but he can't pull it off alone. A convict with a thirst for revenge. A sharpshooter who can't walk away from a wager. A runaway with a privileged past. A spy known as the Wraith. A heartrender using her magic to survive the slums. A thief with a gift for unlikely escapes. Kaz's crew are the only ones who might stand between the world and destruction if they don't kill each other first. Six of Crows by Lee Bardugo. Welcome to the Loveland Libcast, the official podcast of the Loveland Public Library. Joining me today for this YA Book Talk episode of the Loveland Libcast, I have two teen librarians here at the Loveland Public Library. I have Becca, of course. Welcome back, Becca, to Thank the podcast. You. Thank you for having me. And we also have Anna from Hi. from the teen department. Thanks for joining us for I'm this. Happy to be here. This discussion. Thank you for your brilliant introduction. Reading the back of the book. Six <laughs> You're of welcome. Crows. That's very nice. That's what we are here to talk about today. Six of Crows by Lee Bardugo. But before we get into that book. I want to ask you all if you have any teen news or updates from the teen department that you'd like to share. Our summer learning program is coming up. It runs from June 1st through July 30th. If you complete the program, you get a ticket to our pool party that is free pizza, free cone of ice, more prize drawings, and tons of programs that you can find online. To register, go to readsquare.loveland.com. We're also going to be starting um, our in-person volunteering back up this summer, which we've been getting a lot of questions about. So during the summer reading program, teens will have opportunities to volunteer in a number of different ways. Most of our volunteer slots will be in the children's department, helping kids redeem their prizes and sign up for the program. We'll have some available shifts in the makerspace upstairs this year, so you can help library patrons learn to use the 3D printers and our other equipment. And then we'll have a couple of events that we'll need help for, including one of my board game events, where basically you'll just come and help families play board games. So we have lots of fun opportunities for you to earn volunteer hours. And volunteering here counts as a point in the summer reading program. So wow. it helps you, yeah, get further in the SLP too. So What a deal. I know. <laughs> and there's there's a spot on our website where... Yes, lovelib.org slash teenvolunteers. Okay. And I will put a link to both the website that Becca told us about and that volunteer opportunity. I'll have both of those links in the show notes. So an awesome summer for teens coming up starting in June, running through July. June 3rd is that kickoff and yeah, read and then you can get in that pool and <laughs> eat pizza or yeah, whatever. What more could you want? <laughs> <Yeah. right? laughs> Maybe not at the same time, but hey, I'm not here to <laughs> tell you people how to eat pizza. Well, thank you both for that information about what's coming up in teens. Yeah, awesome summer and opportunities to volunteer and fun volunteering. So mm -hmm. that's key. Yep. So for this YA book talk, we still don't have, we're just going with that until we come up with a fun yeah. name for these episodes. We'll get but there. it really gets the point across. 
for this episode, we are talking about Six of Crows by Lee Bardugo. And I'm just going to jump into my interesting facts because it covers some of these things. Please (laughs) do. And interesting, of course, is in air quotes. You decide, listener, if these are interesting or not. So Six of Crows was written by Lee Bardugo and published in 2015. And this book, it's fantasy and it's a heist book, I would call it. Mm-hmm. It is part of the Grishaverse series. And this is the first book of the Six of Crows duology. And so this this book has a sequel. It ends on a cliffhanger. I put a hold on the sequel because I was like, well, I got to, you know, wrap Whoa. this up. <laughs> so its sequel is Crooked Kingdom. Mm-hmm. But this is where it gets wild, folks. The first book in the Grishaverse, so this is kind of, this is a duology with apparently another set of characters because the first book in all of this that Lee Bardugo wrote is called Shadow and Bone, mm-hmm. and that was published in 2012, and that's a whole kind of different group of characters is my understanding, but it's in the same universe. So the the environment or the <laughs> the the all the kind of wild political things going on and people who live there it's all in the in this grishaverse but shadow and bone which is a trilogy i believe that follows different people so you can just kind of jump into six of crows if you want or you could start with shadow and bone to kind of get a better understanding of everything that's going on the next entry in this whole grishaverse series is going to be a i think it might be a graphic novel it is a graphic novel And it is called Demon in the Wood, and that's coming out this September, and it's a prequel to Shadow and Bone. So that's another kind of... I didn't (laughs) even know that was coming out. We're we're going forward. Yeah, we're going backwards. We're following different people. But so this is... It's always, in my mind, it's always kind of fun to read a series that's ongoing and the author's working on it, and new stuff is going to come out. And if you want to learn more, I highly recommend going to Lee Bardugo's website because it has the order that mm-hmm. you should read all of this stuff in. And it probably explains it better than I did. Bardugo describes this genre as czarpunk or <laughs> oh. fantasy mixed with 19th century <laughs> Russia inspiration, which is pretty like That's from the jazzy. Yeah. Czarpunk is, yeah. Wow. What a great word. Yeah. And that I mean, it really is like even the first chapter in this you kind of the language it's like oh this is sort of like vaguely kind of russian eastern european yeah so czar punk and then in 2017 lee bardugo wrote wonder woman warbringer which is a part of the dc icon series which apparently is novelizations of dc comic superheroes so i just thought that was kind of cool that's cool yeah she wrote a, a wonder woman book In 2019, Bardugo published Ninth House, which was her first adult novel. When you finish this book, or at least the the copy I had, she did some thank yous and things and mentioned that she suffers from osteonecrosis, which requires her to use a cane sometimes. And that inspired one of the main characters in this book, Kaz, his need for a cane. And finally, Shadow and Bone was developed into a Netflix series that premiered last year. And it also has some of the Six of Crows characters in it, but it's not Six of Crows. So it's 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 the Grishaverse <laughs> Netflix series. So if you like this or maybe you've you've seen that, 
this is the reading material for that. And we could just go ahead and go around and talk about our knowledge of this book or this series or this author beforehand. Mine's real easy because I had heard of Six of Crows, but I had never read it or anything else by Lee Bardugo. And uh, we'll start with you, Anna. Did you... Uh, well, I knew that you read this beforehand. <laughs> right. I won't pretend. I read Six of Crows a while back. I think the first book I actually read of Lee Bardugo's was uh, Ninth House, like her adult book. Her whole Grishaverse, you know, series has been popular for a while. And I read Six of Crows first, hadn't read Shadow and Bone yet, have since gone back and read Shadow and Bone, the whole trilogy. I don't feel like you really need to do that before you jump into Six of Crows. I feel like I didn't miss a whole lot. But yeah, so I read Six of Crows uh, a while back, immediately read the sequel because I had to because of Cliffhanger. And yeah, I really liked it. I was happy to read it again. It was interesting to see how different it felt this time. Becca and I had talked about like how reading it the first time, it's kind of slow going in the beginning because she's doing a lot of exposition and introducing you to this world. And she did want to make it accessible to, you know, people who hadn't read Shadow and Bone. So there's a lot of explanation. But then once you get past that and really gets going, then it's a lot faster paced. So reading it the second time, I got a lot more out of the beginning, I think, than I did the first time. And Becca, how about you? First of all, those facts were fascinating. Wow. Thank you for sharing. Thank you. Interesting. (laughs) (laughs) I had not read it before. I'd heard about it a lot just working in the teen area. People are obsessed with her. And so I bought the first and second one just from like a secondhand store. And then they sat on my bookshelf for like two years. And then eventually I was like, I'm not going to read these. And so I tried to sell them to Second and Charles, and they took the first one, but then the second one was in too bad of shape. So it's just been sitting on my bookshelf. Like, what good is having number two in a series on there? There's well, no good. Now you can read it. I'm happy I kept it now. But yeah, I've meant to read them for a very long time. I've heard nothing but good things. So I had high expectations, I guess. And Anna, you said that you did watch the Netflix series. I did, yeah. But you don't remember it. I don't remember that much of it. (laughs) (laughs) What happens with these Netflix series is they come out, right, and you you binge them all in like a few days, and you wait a whole year for season two, so you forget what happened. Like, yeah. yeah. It's a blur. As far as I remember, though, the show sticks mostly close to the plotline of Shadow and Bone for like those parts. But then with Six of Crows, they just put all the same characters in and like totally changed the plot because they had to make it sort of intersect with Shadow and Bone, whereas this book series like, doesn't actually intersect with Shadow and Bone at all. So, And Becca, you didn't, <laughs> have you seen the Netflix series? Honestly, I watched the first episode. I watched like 20 minutes of it and I... <laughs> I was like, this is so dramatic and so serious. (laughs) I didn't know this story at all. I had nothing to go off of. I was going to say, I think if you'd read Lead Bardugo, you would have been expecting that. Yeah, or even like the summary of the story, I had nothing to go off of. And I was just like, this is just a bunch of very serious teenagers being gloomy. And I would like to watch it now. Yeah. Now that I know (laughs) anything about it. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Now we can go around and give our spoiler-free reviews and who you think would love this book. Becca, let's start with you this time. So my answer is, it's not a firm rating. (laughs) It started out as like a three. For the first half of the book, I kept talking to Anna and I was like, I know this is good. I don't, like, is something wrong with me? Because I don't like it. I can't get into it. And I was like, yes, Becca, it's you. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. She was like, keep going. I promise it gets better. And she was right, of course. So the first half of the book, I would give it three stars. Second half, I would give it five. Because once I, I don't know if it was like, 
exactly halfway through. But once I got to that, I got so sucked in and I just like breezed through it and I loved it. And I'm really excited to read the second one. And I think anyone who likes heists obviously would like it. And apparently any teenager ever from (laughs) anything that we've heard in the teen hangout. I think I like dark books more than people think they do. Yeah, definitely. You wouldn't believe the amount of times I've had kids come in and say, I want a book that will devastate me and make me go through a whole pack of tissues. What do you got? Lots of good authors for that one. Yeah. (laughs) Adam Solaire. Right? (laughs) I'm guessing it's going to be a good review from you. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to give it four and a half stars just because I think like a full five is reserved for like Sarah J. Moss, like Philip Pullman, like top, top level. But I really enjoyed this book. I'm a big fan of fantasy. So Pretty much any well-written fantasy YA I'm into. This one I think is particularly good. I like that there's six characters, which is enough that you get a lot of different personalities and archetypes, but not too many that you don't really get invested, you know? That was a good mix for me. So that really kind of kept me drawn into the story, like the character development. And then I really like that she kind of just blended like the heist and fantasy thing. I think a good audience for this would be like two friends or like a couple who like one of them likes heists and one of them likes fantasy and they cannot get, you know, agree. And it's like six of pros is where we meet, Uh, you know? (laughs) I, I think I would probably give it a, a five star rating. I also enjoy fantasy and yeah, there's there's magic in this book. I like things when they're they're explained, but you're not given so much that you're just sort of like you start asking questions. It's like there's there's a lot of gray area of just sort of like, okay, this is how it works. I think the author did a good job of introducing you to things and starting to understand these different sort of kingdoms or cultures or who didn't like who and who who behaved which way. And (laughs) yeah, it was it was really good world building the characters you get to know and and like and there's humor in it. And yeah, there's also some grisly (laughs) (laughs) uh, violence in it. (laughs) Yeah, very violent. I was surprised to say that. Yeah. I liked uh, it. But yeah, I mean, it's it wasn't expected. Yeah. And I think sometimes because it doesn't it's not it doesn't overindulge, but it shows up enough where you're like, oh, OK, they're not messing around like this yeah. stuff is this is the, the stakes are high. And yeah, I think any like older, older teens, I mean, I'm sure teens in general and adults. <laughs> would Honestly, enjoy. yeah, I think this one's fairly accessible for like, you know, adults as well. Yeah. It doesn't have like that YA feel to it as much. Yeah. 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 And that that is another reason why for me a five star because the romance in it is kind of it's it's very much more like walking up to the edge of romance. And, mm-hmm. and like there's a lot of sort of pining and the like tension. Yeah. yeah. And sort of like oh, I got to my own baggage is preventing me from <laughs> like <laughs> really liking this person kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it is there. So that that to me is kind of. I don't mind that as much. And so, yeah, for a YA, it, it didn't really have these things in it where I was like, I can just skip these two pages because, like, <laughs> there's nothing here for me. Yeah. So we all enjoyed it. And, and I do agree, too, Becca, that it once kind of the heist gets underway, that's when it really starts to pick yeah, up steam. Definitely. And you start to be like, I want to keep reading this. Like, right. it's in the back I'm of your mind. Yeah. yeah. And, and that and it's. That momentum carries you all the way to the end. Okay, I do want to read the next one because things are different now. And I I want to see where this goes. And the number of characters for me, too. I ended up liking that in the end. But in the beginning, it was just confusing to me because they weren't together yet. And they all had these different stories. And I would hop to each one. 
which I feel like if I reread it, I would love that aspect of it. Yeah. But the first time I was like, what is going on? Like, ah, uh, a new character. Great. I didn't even get to know the last one. <laughs> and I think that's part of why it took me a while. But then once the heist gets started, you know more about the characters and enough to differentiate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, and that, and that, that kind of speaks to the point you made, Anna, too, where you really could jump back in and having more of this background knowledge and knowing the characters, you would be able to enjoy the front half probably. Yeah. Yeah. Probably more. Yeah. All right. Well, good reviews all around. And now buckle up because (laughs) (laughs) it's going to be a bumpy ride. We are headed to the spoiler zone. (laughs) (laughs) Spoiler zone. Did we make it? We made it to the spoiler zone. We're here. We're going to start spoiling the book. We have three questions we're going to discuss and we will be talking about spoilers. So if you haven't read it yet. Get out of here. (laughs) Hit that pause Turn the volume down. (laughs) Yeah. Turn it down to a low whisper. We're going to spoil the book, answer these questions. I will, I'll go ahead and start with this first question. And Anna, if you want to answer it first. Question number one. Do you think the main characters are bad or are they just normal people in unfortunate situations? In what ways does Six of Crows explore or possibly push against ideas of lawfulness and criminality? I think it kind of depends like a little bit for each character. I think most of them are leaning towards just normal people in unfortunate situations. It's also hard because the characters in this book are all supposed to be 17. So it's kind of hard for me to be like, (laughs) you're bad. Like when they're not even adults, you know what I mean? Cut them a little slack for that. But yeah, no, I think it's clear that a lot of them are products of their situation. And Edge, for example, didn't ask to be sold into slavery, obviously. (laughs) Not a choice. Yeah, and was kidnapped several times and just didn't get a lot of agency up until she does. But yeah, I think most of them are just normal people. The one that was hardest for me to, I think, empathize with or like see the good in at first was like Matthias. Because like in the flashbacks of him and Nina, his, well, the whole, pretty much the whole way through, his attitude towards Grisha is very, like, bigoted. And that that's tough to, like, you know, get on board with. You start, sort of start to realize how brainwashed he'd been to get to that point later on. But, like, when he's just, like, being totally unreasonable and, like, sort of it almost sounds, like, racist, you know? Like, towards, like, the you're just like, okay, man, like, you need to get over yourself. So that one took me a minute. But, yeah, the rest of them, I think, pretty much from the bat. I was like, yeah, this is a bad situation, um, and you're making the best of it. As far as, like lawfulness and criminality go. I really love the setting of like Ketterdam where it's kind of like a corrupt society. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's always interesting to see what characters would do in a corrupt society. Yeah. Like, and have the protagonists, the quote unquote good guys, be the ones who were like pushing back against it. You know, the ones who were actually like thought of as criminals, like Kaz and his gang. So yeah, I would say normal people in unfortunate situations. And yeah, like what does good look like in a lawless society? You know what I mean? Yeah. That's an interesting topic to explore. I have a question for both of you. I didn't look this up. And <laughs> I didn't, it didn't, it, I just... The whole time I was trying to figure this out, but so are the Grisha, mm-hmm. are they, is it just kind of anyone born with some of those innate mm-hmm. powers? Okay. So it's yeah. not, cause I, I couldn't figure out like, is it, is it people, is it Ravka? Is that the name of the Ravka? Yeah. Cause I was like, okay, are these people that are like from this area or is it just sort of like you're born with those powers and you're like, oh, I'm a Grisha. Well, I could go be in this this army <laughs> or I'm if or anyone finds hunting. out. Yeah. <laughs> if, if anyone finds out, I'm just going to be potentially like enslaved so they can use my powers or so it is. It's just. Yeah. So anyone can be born 
I thought that same thing when I had read Six of Crows, but I hadn't read Shadow and Bone yet. What it is, as far as I understand it now, having read a little more into the series, people all over this world are just, you know, you're born with these powers or you're not. There's some suggestion, for example, in this book, spoiler, of course, towards the end, where you'll buy your son and he are both Grisha. So, like, I think there's some indication that it's genetic a little bit, but otherwise it's just like a random thing. You just have the powers that you don't. But in the different nations in sort of this universe, they deal with Grisha differently. So, like, obviously in Fierda, they have, like, Matthias and his uh, Druskel, I think is how you say it. I don't know. I have no idea how you say it. Um, and, like, so <laughs> well, they, the like... the audiobook, I listened to the first part of the audiobook, and they called him Matthias and oh. Druskel. Druskel. But okay. I've also listened to other audiobooks where they mispronounce. So just because it's in the audiobook <laughs> doesn't mean it's right. Whatever. We'll go with... I, I like, like Druskel. Druskel? Yeah. Anyway. But, yeah, so, like, obviously in, in Fierda, like, it's it, in their culture to, like, you know demonize these people as witches or whatever and hunt them like in Noibizem I think where Jesper's from it's not quite as much that but like it's something you keep low key in Ketterdam often Grisha is sold as slaves because everything's corrupt and you know they want to use their powers for so it kind of just depends on like what region you're in like what you can expect if you're born Grisha but overall it's not an easy life I think is the implication like in Ravka you usually join the what they call the second army so the first army is just like regular foot soldiers and then the second army is Grisha so that's why there's sort of more of like a culture around I don't think any of the other countries really have, like, an organization where, like, you know, they train Grisha to fight specifically or, like, Grisha can join this. So, like, I think that's why Ravka's kind of unique. Yeah. That's my understanding of it. Yeah, okay. So. That, that's kind of what I figured. Intricacies mm -hmm. to this world. Yeah. And that well, was... writing more books. <laughs> more details come out. Like. <laughs> what do you think, Becca? I agree with Anna. I don't think they're bad people because they're not, like, doing what they do to hurt people. They don't mm -hmm. kill people just because they're bored. <laughs> like, they are doing what they need to do to survive. And same with the lawfulness and criminality. I don't condone crime. <laughs> Just let me preface with that. Oh. This podcast does not condone crime. Content for the spoilers. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Librarians go crazy. Uh, but yeah, I think it's like an Aladdin situation. <laughs> like yeah. They're in a, a situation yeah. where they can't get by without doing the things that they do. Mm -hmm. It's just survival instinct but i think throughout the story it really shows that they all are human deep down with you know people they love and bad situations and it shows their pasts and how that led to them being who they are you know what i was thinking about like yesterday i think so you've got pecker rollins right who's the leader of this other gang right he's cast as like big enemy um, he sucks he is a bad guy i agree <laughs> i agree because that was my initial thought i was like pecka bad cas good but then i thought about it and I was like, we don't know that Pekka Rollins' whole story didn't start the exact same way that Kaz's did. Yeah, but would Kaz end up, like, robbing two children and leaving them for dead? Would he? I don't know. I, I don't know. He robs we'll a lot of people. We'll find out with her next book. He, like, you could argue, like, that it's equally immoral. For example, like, um, the dragons have their, like, you know, uh, tavern and their, like, gambling hall. Like, is it just as bad to pray people who have a gambling addiction or an alcohol addiction? That's like, true. How do we, you know, like... yeah. It's like a little complex. Yeah, I was thinking about that yesterday. Mm. I was like, hmm, hmm. Mm. I don't yeah. like Pecker Rollins. Like he sucks. <laughs> I want him to be dead. But yeah, yeah. I think I think sometimes what a good a good fiction book will do though is, especially when it's switching perspectives. It's like yeah, given someone's perspective or their inner dialogue or their background, you can start to see why they made decisions or why they are the way they are. And that mm -hmm. I think. Especially, yeah, a fantasy setting like this in Ketterdam, which is like everyone is just trying to get ahead. And it's my understanding, like the ruling class are just sort of merchants, mm -hmm. which like 
they're clearly not above any of that stuff. It's just right. they, they have so much wealth that they can just hire their own guards and hire <laughs> like they're just they're just they can use money to have other people do the things that <laughs> they don't they don't want to dirty their hands with. But yeah, you you do yeah, there there could I could very kind of easily see a a chapter with Pekka Rollins of his his growing up and his, mm-hmm. you know his thing and but it, but then that does introduce that interesting like if you're confronted with doing something like tricking children, yeah. <laughs> then, then like then do that was do, definitely not good. Yeah, that there's got to be a better way. That's pretty low. Yeah, do you have some sort of moral code or so, something where you're like? I don't need to do that. Yeah. I can get, <laughs> maybe I'm just hurting other people. I have some sort of, some rules I'm playing by or something. And Kaz does a lot of just sort of mocking other people's beliefs or like what yeah. they do and and hit. And so it's kind of that, well, you're probably just sort of <laughs> guarding your own yeah, <laughs> things yeah. you're holding on to. So It's interesting because he has this reputation as dirty hands, meaning like there's nothing you know, too immoral for him to do. But even though that's his reputation, I think it's clear, like, once we get to know Kaz, that, like, he does have boundaries, like, moral yeah. boundaries that he won't cross. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, like, uh, Nina. Yeah. What she did to Matthias. Matthias. <laughs> what she did to him was not cool, but then we find out that, like, Why, yeah. she was protecting him by saying he was a slaver. So, I guess it's the intentions behind what you do. I guess so. Which character's backstory was your favorite? And how do you think the flashbacks added to the story's structure? Daniel, take it away. All right. I think it's kind of tricky because some of, some of those characters, like, I think Kaz is one of the characters where his backstory is kind of fleshed out the most. Hmm. Someone like Inez, she just sort of alludes to this acrobatic kind of thing. And, and some of her having, she got sold to like this pleasure house kind of place. But it doesn't doesn't have the detail or depth, I would say, as someone like Kaz does. I guess by default, <laughs> I would I would choose Kaz's just because of that that depth to it, and he the the way he presents himself, and then what you learn about him and his brother, and why he doesn't like touching people. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think that yeah, the flashbacks really they kind of add everything to the story. They they complicate things. They add those gray areas. They make it so that. You, yeah, you think someone is this way and then you learn more about it. And it's just, it's that just kind of like an empathy roller coaster of just <laughs> yeah. like, oh yeah, this person is a jerk. And then, or, oh, why did they do this? And then you, you start to learn more about, you know, the, and, and because they are young, they're all like 16 or 17, basically. It's like, yeah, they're, they're kind of still just products of their environment. Mm-hmm. They're not fully formed into, in what they think. And a lot of it is sort of what has been sort of thrust upon them whether it's Matthias's, his village gets burned down and then he's just sort of <laughs> thrown into this kind of recruitment army thing and, they, mm-hmm. and basically brainwashed into hating people. And you just learn that there it's not that surface level and whether or not those people are willing to kind of learn from things and be vulnerable with other people it makes the whole story kind of worthwhile. So I think, first of all, the first time I read this, the flashbacks were kind of confusing to me, especially because I'm like with Ninia, Ninia? Nina. <laughs> I was trying to say Nina and Matthias, and I said Nina. Um, that's their like. That's their couple name. Yeah. <laughs> Nina or be Ninius or something like that. I don't know. I don't like any of those. But <laughs> yeah. So because you kind of get their story in the beginning, like it, well, in the beginning of the book, obviously they're not even like in the same place, right? They're separated, and I don't think we even get Matthias in until they get to the present, right? 
you're kind of learning about what their relationship is now at the same time that you're getting the flashbacks. So for me, first it was a little confusing, like which was present day and which was the flashback. But like on a second read, I don't know, I really liked their flashbacks the best just because there's so much like deep conflict there in such a complicated story. And like, because you don't know all of it at the beginning, you're really like, what's going on here? Like, I feel like I knew less about Matthias than Kaz for most of the story, right? And so I think like that play back and forth and like the hate love thing, you know, got complicated. That's always fun to read. So I think I liked theirs the best. How about you, Becca? I would also say Kaz, just because it's so unfortunate. Like, it's so sad that when... You hear it. It's like, I just want to give this kid a hug. And it makes you feel He would hate sympathy. that. He, he would. would. Hate it. No, he would not like it. That flashback scene where with the bodies, that was probably the most, for me, like disturbing part of the whole book. Like, it's devastating. all. Like, oh. Yeah, it's upsetting. And mm-hmm. just like hearing about how they had so much hope and Ugh. it got it all taken away and his brother too. I don't know. I just thought that was... It made me very emotionally invested in the story, mm. and I, I liked that. But I agree about them being kind of confusing. Mm-hmm. Like, I switched formats a few times in an effort to get sucked into the story <laughs> when I couldn't. So I would listen to the audiobook while I was gardening, which wasn't good because then I was distracted. But there would be no indicator that it was going to a flashback. Yeah. They wouldn't say anything, and there wouldn't be a break in the story, so like... It would <laughs> be talking about Nina and like choking her or whatever. And then the next one would be like, we were in the woods. Yeah. Like, what happened? <laughs> I thought you were just choking her like in front of everybody. <laughs> so that was confusing. But once I got past that, Kaz for show. Yeah, it's definitely a kind of a rhythm thing. Of My experience as a reader, okay, when the when the chapter, once I got used to that format, I was like, okay, when the chapter changes, I may be experiencing <laughs> yeah. a flashback. Yeah, look out. <laughs> Anna, you want to ask the third and final question? Sure. So, all the main characters seem to have some major character development. In your opinion, which of them grew the most and which of them grew the least? What do you think, Becca? I want to say Jesper because I adore him, but I don't think he really changed that much. <laughs> I think he probably changed the least, really. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. He was kind so, of the yeah, least my cruel, though. So, like, he... he was a sweetie. <laughs> yeah. I think and... he needed to change the least, like, was the thing. Like, <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, right. His relationship with Waylon was... Is it Waylon? Waylon or Waylon? I'm not sure. I think it's Waylon. You're right. Their little flirtation was so cute. It, was really it made cute. me so happy. <laughs> uh, so he grew the least. But I'd probably say Matthias... Agree the most because he did see that all of his prejudices were from other people. They weren't like his own beliefs. And, you know, <laughs> we saw him try to kill Nina the first time he saw her and then, you know, make out with her at the end. That's a pretty big jump. So, yeah. Daniel. I, I that, that was my exact answer. Um, <laughs> I was thinking Matthias, too. Just because because he is the most kind of when you look at things holistically, like he's the most black and white of just sort of like very prejudice comes from a a culture where they just Grisha are are not even seen as human. And his whole like he was trained to be a witch hunter and and kill them and then (laughs) spend some time with one falls in love with her and then has (laughs) to happen. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) has to deal with all that internal turmoil and then by the end you can tell that he is especially because she's she's kind of in a bad place and so i think his having to process like what if i lose her 
and I've I've seen all these all this evidence that she's not a monster and that she's better than most people and that kind of thing. Where he yeah he really kind of changes. I mean when you go from must kill all of these Grisha <laughs> yeah, yeah. to like oh, I'm in love with one. <laughs> that's that's a pretty big. Change. It's a journey. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree. Public Matthias grew the most because yeah, that was a big transition. And I feel like at the end when. You're not sure if he's going to betray her or not, if he's going to go along with your... Like, I feel like it, he could have believably gone either way like in that moment. Like, that was a big, like, moment for him to make a big choice. Yeah. Like, so, yeah. And definitely, like, the least probably Jesper. And then also, like, I don't feel like Nina changed that much, but I also don't feel like she needed to because she was perfect to start with. Her and Nesh both, in my opinion. Yeah, Nesh. I don't think Nesh grew the most, but I want to give her a shout out because that scene where she's climbing up the incinerator with yeah. her shoes, that was one of, like, that one and the scene with Kaz and, like, the bodies in the river were, like, the two that really stuck out in my mind, like, from the first time I read it. And then Nesh comes out of there and she's like, I'm going to get a boat and I'm going to rescue slaves. And I was like, that's my girl. Let's go. Um, it was just, just an inspiring, like, cool scene. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, shout out for her there. But Yeah, I really liked all of the characters, really, all of the main characters that were kind of in the heist group. And only because I'm a bitter old man (laughs) was I like, I I just, I knew that none of them were going to to die. So like, I I love those tense moments, but I was also, I was never, like if she had fallen and burned up, I would be like, what am I reading? Like, this is wild. I'm messed up. (laughs) But like, it was still, it was there. And that was, yeah, that I did, I did still really like that scene. Like her shoes are like melting. (laughs) And and then I was like, I wonder, is she just going to kind of gut it out? She's kind of like flashing back to her father's encouragement. And then it, Oh, the rain. The rain, yeah. yeah. But it was, yeah, still very cool. I like I a get, nature literally. deus ex machina. Like, just yeah. Like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I do get to, uh, kind of disappointed in books when no one dies. I think like TV shows have ruined me. I'm like, this is too happy. <laughs> Not realistic. <laughs> I, I grew up a huge nerd. I grew out of it, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> um, I no one will probably get this reference, but I, I used to read the Dungeons and Dragons books mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it really reminded me of the Dragonlance books where like because that those are also about like a group that comes together. Oh, yeah, like and, an adventuring party. Yeah, exactly. Like you it, could play a DD version of Six of Crows. You really Ooh. could. And do the hi- oh. Like it really that and I think that was that was some of what I liked so much about it is it really reminded me of that. Mm. Yeah, um, but yeah, at the same time too, I I bring this up because when I first read a Game of Thrones before and this was it was before not it was cool. Yeah, before it, was cool. <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't a show or anything. It was just something that I had friends who were like, mm-hmm. "Read this is the best fantasy series right now." And yeah, when like Ned Stark dies, mm-hmm. that was I was just like, "Oh, this never yeah. happens in fantasy." Right? Like, and you're like, "Whoa, I yeah, made mean, yeah, yeah." And then and then it's like, okay, all bets are off. Like. I, if I, you almost get shy to like characters. Yeah, <laughs> You're like, oh, exactly. they, they might be next. Game so. of Thrones is the most I've ever been like that. Yeah. Because they, yeah. Yeah. everyone dies. And so that, what like. What I like about that series is like, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, <laughs> so like when, when when you've experienced that and you, you start to read fantasy that kind of follows a more traditional, like, comfort level, mm-hmm. you're like, okay, it's not going to be. <laughs> it's <laughs> Game of Yeah. <laughs> First of all, I expect death now after, um, spoilers, the Divergent series. Mm, yeah. um, I was like, the main character won't die. <laughs> <So> you- <laughs> and then, yeah, what I love about Game of Thrones is that, like, 
So that happens to Ned, and you're like, okay, anyone can die. And yet when the red wedding happens, you're still not expecting it. Like somehow you still weren't prepared. And <laughs> then like one or two. Maybe. Yeah. And then in that same book, you know, that thing with Jamie where you're like, you want Jamie to die. Like in the first and second book, you're like, <laughs> Jamie Lannister, I hate Jamie Lannister. He's the worst. And then by the end of the book, you're like, do I love Jamie Lannister? Like, yeah. Yeah. So you just really messed with your head the whole time. Thank you for that. not yeah. killing him. Right? <laughs> but he's still bad. He's still pushed right out that window. So like. I shouldn't love him, but like, right. yeah, talk about a great character. I know, right? Yeah, exactly. It's a, it's a real slow burn. We'll have to do a, a YA after dark game of thrones. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I can talk for six hours. <laughs> well, that wraps up this episode. Anna and Becca, thank you for being on here. And Anna, you have something that you've been. Yeah, one of my favorite books that I read recently uh, is called Iron Widow by God. I hope I don't butcher this. Sharon J. Zhao. I met them at the Colorado Teen Lit Conference that we went to last month. They were really cool and nice. That book was really good. A lot of feminist rage. So like if that's, you know, your vibe right now, then like go for that one. Yeah. It, the concept is like. So it's a YA book? Yes. Okay, sorry. Okay. Yes. No, YA no, just... sort of fantasy. Um, okay. It's sort of based on like mech based anime. Oh, interesting. The, there were these like, you know, mechs, right? But the mech pilots are all boys. And during like the course of the fight, the, the way that they do it, it like kills the, their girl partner. And so that's where, like, you know, the, the gender divide comes in in that book, and then it kind of starts from there. So, yeah, right. really good, strong female heroine. Yeah, I liked it a lot. Cool. Yeah. Well, thanks for mentioning that. And, yeah, maybe we should just do Crooked Kingdom. I'm okay with that. In July? July. Yeah. Okay. Well... You heard it here. Now I need to wait to <laughs> read it, though. I need to wait so it's fresh. Why could you do oh, I'll just time. read it. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take notes. Well, uh, Anna, Becca, thank you both for being on the Level and Libcast. This was a lot of fun. And yeah, I'm excited to read Crooked Kingdom and to talk more <laughs> about that. And then we'll talk more about Game of Thrones. Yes, definitely. <laughs> we'll work it in. And thank you all at home for listening to this episode of the Level and Libcast. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Loveland Libcast. If you'd like to contact us about the podcast, please reach out to Daniel at daniel.tate at cityofloveland.org. That's D-A-N-I-E-L dot T-A-T-E at cityofloveland.org. See you next time.